Welcome back to Revive School. I'm Pastor Tom Schieffer, and it seems like so long since I've been with you. I'm excited to be with you today as we're in Lesson 95, which is Psalms 140, 141, 142. You know, we've been looking at, at these different psalms, and when we have a group of three, generally Kyle's been focusing on one, and that's what we're going to do today. And as I was looking through them, one just gripped my soul. Uh, 140 is a fascinating song, psalm. It's one of the, it's the last of the imprecatory psalms. We looked at that yesterday with Kyle and he talked about that. There's seven or eight that are known as those bringing, uh, punishment on, on the foes of God and on the foes of God's people. That was what, what Psalm 140 was all about. 142 is, got this unique description uh, of David. It's a, it's a song of David, a psalm of David, when he was in a cave. What a unique element there when he's in a cave. I, I cracked up. Charles Haddon Spurgeon highlighted, you know, caves make good closets for prayer. Their gloom and solitude are helpful to the exercise of devotion. Had David prayed as much in his palace as he did in his cave, he might never have fallen into the act which brought such misery upon his later days. So, but he, he highlighted that as being in the cave. Um, but I want to come back and really spend our time in Psalm 141. Uh, this is a prayer. It's a prayer for protection from sin and sinners. It is a psalm of David. We come back to that here as we're wrapping up, as we're concluding. After the Psalms of Ascent, after the lament in exile, we come to a, a couple of Psalms of David, and this is a prayer. As we study this, there's some of you that have come to that point where you go, I don't know what to pray. Psalm 141 gives us all a framework sometimes when we don't know what to pray, of something to pray for or at least get us started and, and to focus on that. It's a, it's a guide psalm even. And verse 2, uh, Kevin, go to verse 2 for just a second. We're going to spend a lot of time in verse 2, but I want you to notice that may my prayer be set before you as incense, the raising of my hands as the evening offering. St. John Chrysostom in the Greek church, back in the 300s and early 400s, uh, he was Archbishop of Constantinople. He read this and said, we need to pray this prayer every evening. This is the word of God, and this was David's evening offering. So it became part of the liturgy that they used, and he said that even before him, in, in his commentary on the Psalms that got translated. I mean, this is old. This is ancient. He said, the fathers singled out this Psalm. They prescribed it in its recital as a kind of saving medicine and cleansing of sins so that whatever we incur throughout the course of the day, 
abroad, at home, wherever we pass the time, we might, on coming to the evening, expunge through this spiritual air. It is, you see, a medicine that removes all these stains. That there's something powerful in this framework of prayer that we have, that every evening you come by and you just say, here we go. When we don't know what else to pray, here's a guide. And so we're going to walk through this. There's some headings that I'm going to use today that uh, I found in another pastor, a pastor, Steve Shepard. He was had a sermon on Sermon Central, and I used some of his headings, but I also added to them because I saw some further depth than what he used in his outline. But as we get to verses 1 and 2, as we have in uh, Psalm 141, and I want you to see this outline, and you know what? I don't like that color. I'm going to use white. It's good. It'll show up. But first, David says, hear my prayer. We begin by saying, Lord, hear my prayer. I want to begin right here. Verses 1 and 2, hear my prayer. Lord, I call to you. Hurry to help me. Listen to my voice when I call to you. Literally, I'm, I'm calling on you, Yahweh. This is the Lord. I'm calling. I need your help, and I'm asking for it soon. I want it now. Not because you have to do it my beck and call, but I totally need you. And I love that line, listen to my voice when I call on you. It's not just the words we use, it's the inflection in our tone. You know, sometimes when our kids call, there is something in that voice that that calls us even quicker and more rapidly. So he says, listen to the depth of my voice when I call you. And then we go to verse 2. And I want to linger here because this verse gripped my heart. It really did. May my prayer be set before you as incense, the raising of my hands as the evening offering. That, that element that we've got here of incense, of prayer as an aroma. In Scripture, incense is often associated with prayer. Uh, gotquestions.org has, has highlighted that in their, in their description of the altars of incense. And even in the vision of heaven, we've actually talked about this earlier in Psalms, that John saw that the elders around the throne here in, in Revelation chapter 5, verse 8, were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. That, that arising that comes up in the altar of incense as it was in the, the ark or in the, the tabernacle and in the temple, these prayers to God coming up all the time as incense. Exodus chapter 30, verse 34, has the instruction of what's all to be included in that incense. The Lord said to Moses, he gave him instruction, take fragrant spices, uh, stacte, which is probably some kind of gum resin, ochia, oh my heavens, and, and galbanum, and the spices and pure frankincense. Isn't that interesting? Frankincense are to be used in equal measures, and frankincense comes back and, and in the whole element of the, uh, of the incarnation and nativity narratives. But that's part of it. And the templeinstitute.org says they even have a special secret herb that literally means in Hebrew 
that which causes smoke to rise. It's an herb that they include in the incense that enabled the smoke from the incense to rise up to heaven in a straight column. It's not going to meander around. You ever notice how sometimes with smoke, it, it just kind of flows with the air, but that it goes right up to heaven. This is incense. This is giving unto the Lord and it can be seen as a picture of intercession for, of Christ. We've been looking at how every book of Scripture highlights the focus unto Christ. And here's a picture of intercession in the altar of sacrifice, in the use of the incense, and how it rises up unto God. So that's incense. And that just gripped my heart and, you know, that, that sense and the, and the aroma and all of that. But then, Raising my hands as the evening offering. Kevin, Rich, TJ, how many times in Psalms have we seen raising of my hands? Often. It's a lot. I mean, I don't even know if anybody's ever put it all together, but constantly there's this lifting up. I mean, I came across one list um, by a Sam Storms. He wrote this blog article on... 10 things you should know about lifting of hands in worship. And he listed at least seven in the Psalms. I don't know. Um, But here the psalmists use their hands. It's biblical. It's it's an important part of our positioning of our heart and our mind. In Psalms all the time, we saw it in Ezra and Nehemiah as they brought back the temple and and built the city back. But let's look at two. 2 Chronicles 6, verses 12 to 13. Here is Solomon dedicating the temple. And in chapter 6, verse 12, Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the entire congregation of Israel and spread out his hands. And then look what he says here. For Solomon made a bronze platform seven and a half feet long, seven and a half feet wide, and four and a half feet high, and put it in the court. And he stood on it and knelt down in front of the entire congregation and spread out his hands toward heaven and gave his prayer of dedication. There is something about when we use our hands, even of positioning our heart, our soul, our mind, there's, here in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, just a couple of days ago, Josh used this as he was teaching. Therefore, I want men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or argument. Why? Well, sometimes it's out of love, out of position, out of, of, of adoration in prayer. When we're saying, hear my prayer. I mentioned Sam Storms and how he had 10. I want to highlight six, that, that element of, of, of our hands. And we lift them up, and we're going to do it in surrender. I mean, isn't that the universal sign for surrender? Lift up your hands. There it is. But I'm, I'm giving up. I'm surrendering unto you. There's an element of vulnerability. Vulnerable. When, when we've got our hands up, I'm not hiding anything. I can't reach for anything. I'm vulnerable. There's a dependence. I, I'm going to refer to my, my dad a couple of times here. Uh, we've been in the midst of some surgeries for him. They discovered a brain tumor. 
Uh, and he's had two surgeries on his head. But when he gets up and he's and learning how to walk again, essentially, he has to lift up his hands and they put the belt around so that they can help walk him to the restroom. There is a dependence here. I'm lifting my hands so that you can grab a hold of me. I can't do it on my own. You have to help lift me up. There's an element here of where we receive. I'll take it. Give it to me. And then there's another element of where we give it away. With our hands. Here it is. Here it is unto you. And then this element of beloved. There's nothing that grabs me more. Uh, and it happened just this past Sunday. My grandson saw me and he came running. Papa! Papa! And the hands are coming up and it's like, pick me up. I'm, I love you. I want to give everything to you. So hear this element of, Hear my prayer. Everything that David begins with, may it be directed to you. Listen to my voice. Listen to the cry of my heart. I'm standing before you with everything about my opening, and we begin by hearing our, my prayer. Then he does something really fascinating in Psalm 141. He says, guard my heart, or guard my mouth. Get my words right here. Guard my mouth. That's verse 3. Look at this. Lord, set up a guard for my mouth. Keep watch at the door of my lips. Again, here we see this pattern in Psalms, the rhyming of the thought. But what an incredible prayer. God, shut my mouth when I need to be shut my mouth. Watch what comes across my lips. You know, and sometimes we don't think about praying like that. James chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Again, notice how it highlights what's coming in the New Covenant and in the New Testament. So too, the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among the parts of our bodies. It pollutes the whole body, sets the course of life on fire. It is set on fire by hell. Watch our tongue. Watch our tongue. Guard my mouth, Lord. Protect what comes out of it because it reflects on you. You ever get caught in those moments when you're just kind of blurt something out and you, and you can't take it back? And so here's this prayer. Hear my prayer, but guard my mouth. Then comes the heart. Protect my heart. And that's in verse 4. Protect my heart. Do not let my heart turn to any evil thing. Or wickedly perform reckless acts with men who commit sin. Do not let me feast on their delicacies. Don't let our hearts be drawn to what is evil. Lord, hear my prayer. I need your help. I need it now. I'm positioning myself. I'm lifting it up to you. Guard my mouth and what I say, but now protect my heart. Don't let me turn to the evil. Don't let anything evil come out of my life. Don't let me get into that mode of where I perform reckless acts with men who commit sin. Have you guys ever had a friend that would, you know, they're just, it was a dangerous combination and you'd do things you wouldn't do any other time? Can't say. Can't say. Don't want to say. Been there. Done that. Got the t-shirt. It's not a good thing. 
But we find ourselves in those, you know, some of that, 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 that environment. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. Again, it highlights what's in the New Covenant. And here's where it is in the New Testament. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Now watch this. There's this incredible transition where he goes from protect my heart, reject and help me to reject the delicacies of the weakness of the wicked and let me embrace the correction of the righteous. He says, discipline me. The beginning of verse 5. Kyle talked about discipline yesterday. And he talked about how the entire nation of Israel was being disciplined and how God brings discipline on the whole group. Here in David's prayer, he's saying, discipline me. Let the righteous one strike me. It is an act of faithful love. Let him rebuke me. It is oil for my head. Let me not refuse it. Spurgeon said it this way. He says, depend on it. The man who will tell you your faults is your best friend. It may not be a pleasant thing for him to do it, and he knows that he's running the risk of losing your friendship, but he is a true and sincere friend. Therefore, thank him for his reproof and learn how you may be be improved by what he tells you. Spurgeon goes on then to say, uh, the oil of flattery is not excellent. Let this be something that strengthens you. Allow God to discipline you. Invite it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. We know this passage well, but it really speaks to this. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. Truth in love. We even saw that. It's an act of faithful love, David says in verse 5. When it's truth in love, it disciplines us, it guides us, it brings us into that relationship. And it's important. Kyle used Hebrews chapter 12 yesterday and really broke that down and brought it into to, to clarity. But let's go back to Ephesians 12 verse 11 because this is exactly what David has been saying. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time but painful. Later on, however, it yields the fruit of peace and righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Discipline me. Lord, hear my prayer. Lord, guard my mouth. Lord, protect my heart. Discipline me. That's not exactly the prayer that we normally would think that we would, okay, Lord, bring it on. No, correct me. Coach me. Bring me to all that you have for me. And then comes expose evil. This is the end of verse 5 and into verse 7. Expose evil. He starts out with, Even now my prayer is against the evil acts of the wicked. When their rulers will be thrown off the sides of a cliff, the people will listen to my words, for they are pleasing. As one who... 
And as when one plows and breaks up the soil, turning up rocks, so our bones have been scattered at the mouth of Sheol. Uh, the bottom line, this is, this is tough, tough translating. Uh, this whole section of, of Psalm 141 is some unique Hebrew language, and it gives, it gives translators fits. Look at how it's translated in a number of different translations. And every translator really is an interpreter and a commentator trying to find what this is. And nobody is fully, fully confident. The bottom line is it's exposing evil, but they're not fully confident in what that brings. Um, It's just a difficult, difficult Hebrew phrase. But the bottom line is let their wickedness be shown for what it is. When their rulers will be thrown off the side of a cliff, and, and there's some incredible cliffs in Israel. So this visual is very, very poignant and powerful. And when they go off the side of the cliff, when, when they lead you off and they go to their destruction, it kind of brings back lemmings. You ever hear about lemmings? They're there are these little creatures in, in Scandinavian countries, and every year or so often they all run to the edge of the cliff, fall off, and down and drown. <laughs> when these rulers run off and fall down, they're going to be shown for what they are. Their evil is going to be seen. They're going to take the people off the sides of the cliff. Some are going to go with them. The people are going to see eventually where evil is going to take them. And then they're going to listen back and remember the truth words, the righteous words that David was praying for them. The truth that's here, expose evil. Now, this is important, and I had not seen this. I wrestled with this psalm a lot over the last several days in prepping for it. It's probably had three or four different focuses, but this started to jump out at me. Again, how we point towards Christ in everything. Notice the progress of this prayer. Hear my prayer, Lord. Here's the positioning. Guard my mouth. Protect my heart. Discipline me. Expose evil. Discipline me, then expose evil. I'm reminded of Jesus. Matthew chapter 7, verses 4 and 5. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and look, there's a log in your eye. Hypocrite, first take the log out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. That element here is, get the speck out of my eye. Notice even in this element, first is discipline me. Correct me. Then expose evil. David's prayer is leading into everything that Jesus is going to teach. Discipline me, then expose evil. Then I'm ready to help expose evil. And then I'm able to help the people. And then his prayer ends. In the last three verses, fix my eyes. Eight to ten. Focus, but my eyes look to you, Lord God. I seek refuge in you. Do not let me 
die. Protect me from the trap they have set for me, from the snares of evildoers. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass safely by. Focus. Here's another theme that we've seen through Psalms. How many times have you heard, fix my eyes, keep me focused on you, God. Uh, Psalm 16, verse 8. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Psalm 25, verse 15. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release, <laughs> release my feet from the snare. In Psalm 119, 37. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Bottom line, keep my eyes on you, Lord God. Keep my eyes there. If we have our eyes focused on him, we come against the distractions. There's so many things that want to distract us. We talk a lot in our culture today in the United States about distracted driving. This distracts me. That distracts me. It may be our phone. It may be the kids crying in the back. It may be spilling our hot coffee. Whatever it is, oh, I dropped this. That's when we get into trouble, when we're distracted. The call is to keep focus. When we keep focus, as David prays here, then the evil's going to fall into their own nets. They're going to fall into their own traps. We're going to stay focused on God, and it's going to, He's going to direct us through and navigate us through those things that are really, really tricky. Notice how similar this is to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 3. We know it as that passage with the great cloud of witnesses. But here's the, here's the parallel. Therefore, since we also have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross and despised the shame that has sat down at the right hand of God and has sat down at the right hand of God's throne. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. Fix our eyes on the Lord. I've been so blessed by Psalm 141. It caught me by surprise. I think I've gone by it more times than not, even as I've read through the Psalms, wanting to get some more of the fun ones or the ones that I know better. And I found here an incredible outline for prayer. Hear my prayer, Lord, as I position myself, as I cry out to you in my desperation because I need you. Hear my prayer. And as I pray, guard my mouth. Guard my mouth as I pray to you. Guard my mouth as I witness for you. Guard my mouth as I speak, because it reflects on you. But also then protect my heart. Protect my heart. May it not be pulled aside. May it not be given to anything else. It's deceitful beyond all measure. We've seen that also in Psalms. But when we're 
pursuing after you, our heart is merged with your heart, and we are able to be there. So protect my heart. Lay it, may it always be only for you. But then, Lord, discipline me. Refine me. In love, speak truth into my soul so that I may be strong for you. Then, Lord, expose the evil around me. And because I'm focused on you, because I've been refined by you, I can expose it and I can show it for what it is, but I'm able then to fix my eyes on you to walk through this incredible journey that is the rest of my life. Psalm 141 has a lot for us. If you don't know what to pray, maybe take David's outline and pray your prayer, pray your psalm open up your heart unto him that's psalm 141 we're moving on that's the end of lesson 95 but there's more in psalms for us tomorrow god bless you